This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Derek, it's been a busy couple of days here. We haven't been able to record. Not a lot has happened, but I think we need to record an episode a little bit talking about Kentucky at Georgia and just the overall... SEC. I mean, this is this is Alabama's conference right now, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got to watch about the first, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes of that game last night before I, I went on to some other things. But it was truly unreal. I mean, John Petty, what he did, what that team did, just hit an SEC record 23 threes. I mean, obviously you don't count on that every single night. I mean, it's obviously unrealistic. It was a record for a reason. It's very, very rare that a team would hit that many, but they have shown those, Sean. I think uh, they've proven at this point they're, they're the best team in this conference as of now. Does that mean they're going to win it? I, I don't know, but they, they are a problem for sure for the rest but of this yeah, conference. That's a fun style of play. I mean, if you're a Kentucky fan, do you, do you feel any better about how last week went down after you watched what they did to LSU and kind of what's going through? Um, but here it is. I mean, it's Nato's second year at Alabama, yeah. Derek, and he, he's recruited to a skill set. He's not went with – he's not having to go get the number one or number two player at positions. He's going to get guys that are shooting threes. They're, the shot chart last night from that game at LSU, it's similar to the shot chart from Kentucky. There is no mid-range jumpers. If it's in the it's middle unreal. of the floor, it's at the rim, and then it's it's three-point line. Yeah, when you shoot the ball as well as they do, I mean, everyone they put on the floor, man, even their big man can step out there and shoot and hit threes. So they're, they're doing a fantastic job. I kind of felt like that might be uh, a bad matchup for LSU just because under Will Way they, they play so little defense. Yeah. Um, but I did think that they would be able to score a little bit more than what they were, uh, were able to. Um but, no, Alabama, what a year for them. Obviously, their football team was, was phenomenal, one of the best teams Saban has had, which was saying something uh, to run the table the way they did. And now uh, I don't like throwing these, like, stereotypes as people do it to, to Kentucky football fans. I'm sure there are some big Alabama basketball fans out there. But um, it's looking like now they're going to have a season in basketball that they uh, will remember for a long time as well. So it's been a good athletic year for those guys. Yeah, and, and Nate Oates just continues to, to move up my list of people to keep an eye on around college basketball. I know we talked about him last week in the mailbag. Uh, but, two, one more SEC note before we move on to Kentucky, Georgia. Tennessee with a second loss, Derek, and, and it it wasn't pretty. I mean, it was a, little, uh, a Florida team that was shorthanded and, I mean, took it to Tennessee. It was embarrassing. After Kentucky went and dominated Florida a little over a week ago, 
what in the world's going on in the SEC outside of the top at Alabama? Well, I know Jaden Springer was out for Tennessee, but I believe Florida was down three guys who were regular starters when the season began. In, including Scotty and Lewis, right? Was Lewis was out, Castleton was out, and then, of course, uh, Keontae Johnson has, has not played since he collapsed. But, I mean, they held Tennessee to 49 points last night. Yeah. 75-49, I mean, a, a blowout win. Uh, I, I did watch most of that game. Again, I didn't watch it all, but from what I watched, I mean, I don't think Tennessee is, is – struggled that much this season to score but I think uh, from what I've read both games they've lost this year Jaden Springer did not he, he missed most of the Alabama game with an injury and then of course didn't play at all last night so I mean offensively you know they're relying a lot on a freshman to uh, kind of carry that load for them and uh with him out last night I mean they just what'll be interesting to see I think Tennessee is, is a very good team um surprising how they lost last night no doubt about it What'll be big for them is to show that this was just kind of a one-off type deal, where that's not this is not a sign of things to come, but rather um, just a tough night where maybe they didn't get up to play. They went down to Florida. Florida had had been struggling. I think they'd lost three or four coming into that game. It was a chance for them to kind of make a statement to show that they're better than what they had been, uh, play better than what they had been, and uh, they certainly did that. So. If you look at the SEC standings now, I mean, Bama's got a two-game lead yeah. on everybody. LSU's still in second after that. Um, and then you got Missouri and Kentucky sitting at three and two. So uh, Alabama's doing so, a good job. They've won eight in a row. And you asked me earlier if, if you're a Kentucky fan, does it make you feel any better? I would say no if the idea is that if there is an SEC tournament, you're very likely going to have to beat Alabama. I, I don't know how good you feel about that right now. No, <laughs> but that's and, your fate in getting into and, a, an NCAA tournament. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but Joe Lenardi was asked, what would it take for Kentucky to be a tournament team, to get a bid? And he was mentioning double-digit SEC wins, which is something that you and I have talked about for weeks. But we kept throwing out that magic number, probably 13, 14 wins. Well, they're not getting to 14. I mean, it's no. going to take it's going to take a lot to get to to ten, honestly. But I think he said somewhere around eleven. So, which begs me to, to ask you this, Derek: When you look at this league overall, not really sure exactly how many tournament teams they're going to get in. I don't think it's it's definitely not going to be one of the high bid leagues when you look at the standings. No. Uh, I mean, Alabama's certainly a tournament team. Tennessee's going to be certainly a tournament team, unless last night becomes a a habit down the stretch of the yeah. season. But uh, Missouri, right there. You'd think. Can Kentucky? What? But what? Yeah, is, but if Kentucky only be, wins, but if Kentucky, like Lenardi was throwing out ten to eleven, if Kentucky only wins eleven SEC games, they're going to be under five hundred, right? For the season overall, because they, they had six more, losses yeah. in non-conference, and that would be right. seven league. I mean, that's thirteen losses. They're not getting in with eleven wins, even if they finish in the top three of the SEC. Like you. They have to have an above 500 record, I think, for the committee to even look at Kentucky. I mean, I think we're certainly to the point now, unless this thing changes dramatically, that they're going to have to rely, one, on there being an SEC tournament, and two, having to win that. Because I'm with you. I mean, I think these two losses last week pretty much, I mean, it's just going to be an uphill battle to even finish with the winning record. And they might get close to 500. Yeah. Um, I said they, they had to well. split those last week. And it honestly, I mean – I said, I told you, we can't. You can't lose two in a row anymore the rest of the year. The Auburn tonight, loss really hurt them. And really and tonight, tonight doesn't make any sense. Have you have you noticed? I mean, Kentucky. The line started out, I think, at two, and I think it uh, it's up to three and a half, if I'm not mistaken. But the money line, if you pay attention to 
to anything when it comes to that. Okay, Kentucky opened as a two-point favorite. Now it's up. it was up to three and a half. Eighty-six percent of the money's on Georgia, though. So it's kind of one of those weird – it's very crazy when you look at it. So, like, something doesn't make sense, right? Well, th- think about the schedule after this, Sean. This is – they're in a spot where beating Georgia is not really going to do anything for your hopes of getting into the tournament. But think of the Fabium stretch they have coming up after Georgia. They got LSU, Alabama, Texas, Missouri, and Tennessee. Probably five tournament teams, wouldn't you say? Four for sure, maybe not Missouri. We'll have to see on Missouri. But the other, those other teams are all probably – well, in LSU, I guess it's not an automatic lock, but you would think as of now, probably a pretty good chance to get in. This is a tough stretch coming up, and it, it's going to make or break their season, basically. They're either yeah. going to uh, get back into a path, or maybe you know a week or two from now we're talking about a possibility of them actually making the tournament, or you're at a spot where you know it's all she wrote anyway, well, and you're still looking at having to try to win the SEC tournament. So through, let's go through the next six. So through Tennessee – in Lexington on February 6th. This is a team, to me, Derek, that has to win five of the next six, which seems just about impossible right now. I, I, four, four and two still. I mean, it doesn't. They're still. They'd still be eight and ten when it gets to that. I just don't think that that's doing it, especially at the back end. Uh, they need to win at Georgia tonight. They need to beat LSU at Rupp on Saturday, and then honestly, next week you have. Two really solid opportunities there, Alabama and Texas. I, I just don't know right now. I mean, out, out of these next six, uh, do you really feel comfortable that they win tonight's game? Um, I can't say I feel incredibly comfortable. I certainly think they're a more talented team than Georgia. Um, but I also think they're more talented than Richmond. I thought they were certainly more talented than Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, Auburn even. And they didn't win any of those, so – I do think they'll win, though. Um, I'm not sure how pretty it'll be. Does Calipari follow through with it? Which he didn't promise changes, but he mentioned, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, possibly four new starters or something like that. Which I saw a tweet that made me laugh that said, "Who's going to be start? Who are the four new starters going to be around BJ Boston Jr.?" <laughs> which I thought was a good tweet. I can't remember who said that, but uh, I could actually see them winning this game. And then against LSU, it's going to be a challenge because LSU's offense is, is typically very good. But like I said, LSU just – the way they defend. I mean, Kentucky, for as bad as Kentucky's offense has been, they should be able to score a little bit in that game. But, you know, to me, Sean, don't you kind of view that as Alabama, Texas, and Tennessee being the big ones you got to win? Because those are actually difference makers, I would say, at the end of a season in terms of resume wins. Yeah, and sorry if you hear some background noise here, the – the heat cut on it's pretty loud coming through the vent there but you're right Kentucky's had a lot of games Derek where it was you mentioned it earlier that tonight's not a game that you look at and say oh it's it's making you an NCAA tournament team but if you lose it it's going the other direction it's games you cannot lose Auburn it would actually be their worst loss on Ken Palm yeah, and Auburn Auburn was a game that they could not lose and they lost it uh you just go through all those games that they lost early in the season there there were a couple of them you're like it doesn't like help you a ton if you win them, but it kills you if you lose them. And that's kind of what tonight is. And then you mentioned those three. If they can win two of those three, I think people would start looking at them. But this is a team that has to get above 500. I think it's a weird year. I think there's, the committee's going to obviously look at things a little differently, in my opinion. And then you kind of just got to value it. I mean, it's Kentucky. If Kentucky can climb above 500 and show some fight and some improvement, 
I think they'll look at it late in the season if they make a surge. But that surge has to start right now, Derek. They've they've waited to the point now where it's kind of if you just if they even lose a game, it could kind of sw- swing it the other direction right now. That's how that's how poorly their resume is. Yeah, I'm trying to examine this right now. So if they beat Georgia, that would be five and eight. They're basically so like the way I see the schedule. We talked about those, this five game stretch coming up. Well, after that Tennessee game on the sixth, they have Arkansas, Auburn, Vandy at Tennessee, Texas A and M, Florida, Mississippi. That is actually, in my opinion, a pretty manageable stretch in the season. Tennessee and Florida are the only two teams in the top twenty-five. Arkansas is okay; they're they're a decent team, but you get them out rough. If they can manage this stretch right here, win three or four games, realistically. I think you could see them winning five out of six in the season, and then maybe you're close to that 500. Like maybe there's enough there, maybe there's enough meat on the bone to to have a chance. But I, I just it's gonna be hard. I don't know. We got to see this team do more before before I can even think about them. You know, rattling off five, six. Well, and another thing too. I mean, when it gets to the point that it's NCAA tournament time and you're you're talking about offense and stuff, that's when it's fun. Yeah. This, this team's not fun offensively at the moment, so we're going to have to wait and see exactly what happens when it comes down to resume, but it starts tonight at Georgia, and it's going to be interesting too, Derek, to see John Calipari's lineup combinations that he decides to go with since they've went to this analytics push that he was talking about yesterday, so, you know, we talk about it all the time, like analytics and looking at things and the way the game has changed. Do we see Dante Allen in the starting lineup tonight? Do we see Jacob Toppin in the starting lineup tonight? Because I, I kind of was reading into his quotes and stuff yesterday when he was talking about energy and everything. I mean, it's kind of the two guys that stand out, right? Sorry about that. Um, I think there's a good chance for, for Toppin just because Cal has shown that he'll kind of rotate that four spot. I mean, you think about it. Cam Fletcher, I think, technically started as a four that second game yeah. of the year. Uh, I mean, Lance Ware started. Keon Brooks has started. Isaiah Jackson started. So why not throw Toppin out there? Uh, I don't know if it's going to matter to him or not, but, I mean, BJ's a, a Georgia kid, right? Grew up in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe he will take him out, maybe he won't. I think just from a PR perspective and just, like, getting people back, which maybe Cal doesn't doesn't care at all about that, but it just seems like such a simple thing to start Dante to get some people on your side. <laughs> um, It'd be big. And, and maybe big. get some critics. Yeah, get some critics off your back. So I personally would like to see that just because it's something different. But, um and, and what I didn't like about his comments, and I don't have them pulled up, but if you listen to Cal yesterday, he was didn't mention Dante by name, but was very clearly talking about him in terms of shuffling roles and how you don't want to take someone who is doing a good job in one role, which I think he was complimenting Dante, saying he's doing a good job off the bench doing this, but you don't want to take them and, and possibly hurt them in a role that's going to put them in a role that's going to hurt them. But here's my thing, Sean. Unless you try it, how do you know it's going to hurt Dante? You don't. I mean, it's the but same me, thing. It goes kind of like a cop out. Uh, well, it's the same it. thing that goes back to why they weren't playing him when we were talking about defensive right. issues. And you said it weeks ago. You said the only way that he can is put him out there and see. And yeah. and then he comes out and praises those defensive those defensive struggles against Florida when he improved them. I just feel I, I keep coming back to it, Derek. That it just for a guy who like Cal who says that if he listens to the crowd, he's going to be a part of it. He certainly listened to it a lot this year because that's all he's talking to is the fan. Yeah. He's talking directly to Kentucky fans. Every time he takes the mic right now. I think it was Justin Rowland who tweeted it, and I agreed with him. Whenever he tweeted that thing out about the Florida clips, he was basically saying, like, see, 
now, like, see what he's doing out here. This, this means I can play him because he's doing a better job on defense. Um, I do think you'll see a lot of Dante tonight. And he, he's not – I think we just need to accept that he – and it's probably the right move. Like, he's not just going to relegate BJ to a, a non-factor he's on this not. team. He, he wants him to get going. I, I would argue at this point, I know that the thought is, hey, this team needs B.J. Boston if it's going to reach its potential. At this point in the season, I don't know that I completely – I guess what I would say is I don't think B.J. is the difference maker anymore in this. Like The season's almost already kind of a wash, and I, and I don't think B.J. is suddenly going to turn it around and become that guy that we thought he was going to be. Can he improve? Certainly. Will he improve enough to the point where his – I guess the leash has been longer than maybe I would have given him. And it has been, what, 12 games? It's been 12 games he's played. Yeah. Cal says it typically takes 10 to 12 for the cream to rise. Maybe you see him start to let up a little bit if it's just obvious, which to me it seems like it is. Um, but maybe BJ comes up tonight, scores 25, scores 30, shows what he was, and then Cal will say, see? I think that's kind of where it is right now. And I'm not trying to, like, pile on Cal, but it seems to me like he just so badly wants BJ to break through to, to see, well, say, you know what, I told you so. And, and BJ was in the gym 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, Tuesday morning, putting in work. But I'll say this, too. You know, I, I wrote about it this morning. He, he's he been in the gym a lot. Like, there's been plenty of nights where he was at the gym at midnight. At some point – being in the gym and taking shots doesn't change it. The only thing that changes it is that those bad habits and games of taking poor shots, shot selection, yeah. understanding situations. Uh, you and I have talked about it multiple times, the flipping the ball up the rim. Calipari actually mentioned it yesterday in his press conference. That's not a tough play. That's not getting you to the free throw line. That's a right. bailout play. Get to the free throw line and see what you can do. But I will tell you this, the night, B.J. Boston's going to have a night where he looks good. He's going to go for 20-plus. One night. I mean, it's bound to happen with the minutes that he gets. It's going to yeah. be one of those nights where, you know, Cal's going to be like, this is the breakthrough. But what you got to see for BJ, it just has to happen one time, but then it has to be sustained success. And I don't think that BJ has to be a 20-point scorer anymore. I just feel like that if he's on the floor, he can't kill you with a stretch of turnovers or bad shots. Because when you yeah. factor in the four shots, Derek, in addition to the actual turnovers – it's just it's turnover after turnover if you factor in the bad shot. And that has to be cleaned up if this team wants to get rolling. And it's not all on BJ, but you can't continue playing guys who don't understand the value of a possession. I, I try to walk the fine line. I don't try to get all involved in hot takes or whatever. I mean, if I, if I do feel like I have a hot take, I try to preface it by saying that this is <laughs> – I'll take. I think with BJ, I would fall kind of in the line that I do think Cal has put BJ's individual future probably ahead of the team. Now, I can understand it if Cal truly believes that BJ breaking through is the best thing to help Kentucky win games, but I just I don't know if I would agree with it at that point. And uh, this doesn't mean that Cal will continue doing that the rest of the season. Um, because I think that the noise, especially throughout last game, I mean, the noise is really coming in. And, uh, oh, yeah, big time. I mean, your tweet so, was popular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people agreed with that, which, I mean, again, Cal probably doesn't care. Um, I, I don't know that it was fair to the rest of the team, and I don't know that it was – I mean, I guess it was completely – I mean, he admitted yesterday what he said about BJ. He said, you know, we've given them 
I can't remember what he said. Basically, he admitted that, yeah, we have given him a lot of opportunities to get going. I mean, if, if BJ does kind of fall back, take a step back, I think Sword Cal uses. Somebody's going to step up, someone will step back. If BJ is one of those guys that steps back, you can't say it. I mean, he was treated as fairly as he could have been. He was given as long of, of a rope as, as most guys get, more than most guys get. I mean, you think about Dante's rope whenever he started the year and, I don't know. Cal talks about this demonstrated performance stuff in practice. It's uh, to me, I think it's an easy answer to say to the media because we don't get to watch practice and you just got to take his word for it. But does that really matter if you get into a game and the team plays better without you on the floor? I mean, that's what I don't get. But Kentucky will be at Georgia tonight. It'll be a 7 p.m. Eastern time tip on the SEC Network. Derek, let's just go ahead and make quick predictions. Uh, I'll start first. Uh, Kentucky's what a three and a half point favorite right now. I do think that this it's, obviously it's a must win for Kentucky going being four and eight, three and two in the SEC. But I do think Kentucky gets a close win on the road in Georgia tonight. It's a place they've had a lot of success. Uh, you mentioned BJ Boston going home to Georgia. It worked out for Ashton Hagen, so maybe this kind of gets the thing rolling for him. So I'll go Kentucky. Not going to go seventy points because Kentucky struggles to score sixty five. But I'll go an ugly one. I'll say Kentucky sixty four, Georgia fifty eight. I'm actually going to go a little higher than that. I'm going to say Kentucky 75, Georgia 68. So I think they get some free throws at the end. I think it's a close game, but UK can they knock down some free throws and get out of there with a win. Be a big one. It's uh, the first step. You mentioned all that uh, the schedule coming up, Kentucky LSU Saturday, then a tough stretch with at Alabama, and then Texas comes to Rupp Arena next week. Uh, Kentucky desperately needs a win. Derek, uh, we'll be back to recap it. We'll see exactly what happens tonight. If you can make it out to the Butcher's Pub, two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, get out there, watch the game, uh, try that delicious menu. Uh, if you need to visit thebutcherspub.com to find out any menu options, or you can check them out on Facebook, the Butcher's Pub Pineville, the Butcher's Pub Williamsburg. But we'll be back next time on Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you then. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.